Unfortunately, the spotlight shone on me there, and I apologise for that. But Christmas time is a time when the, the spotlight is focused on all sorts of things. For some, it's a reindeer rider who doesn't know how to address for an Australian summer. For others, it's 34 hours of continuous shopping. For some, it's the latest blockbuster that's going to hit our screens for the holiday period. For some of us, it might be family. It might be holidays itself, time away from work. All sorts of things vie for our attention in the Christmas time of year. For Christians, attention is focused fairly and squarely on a child born 2,000 years ago. And because of this, it makes sense that we would ask the question, what child is this? I have just realised that I don't have the clicker that I need to be able to operate the slides. <laughs> it's all about spotlight on me today, isn't it? Thanks, Nathan. Over the last few weeks, we have seen that this child, Jesus, actually has a life-giving message at Christmas time. We've noticed that he is God's promised blessing for the world. That he is God's son. And today we'll see that he is God's promised ruler. The ruler is the topic of our talk today and it's found in our Bible reading, which will be Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 to 6. If you have a Bible, please open that there, or you might have it on your phone or in your hand. Otherwise, it will also be on the screens behind me. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. Let me read. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. To call Jesus our ruler is probably the fastest way to turn someone of our day off the Bible message. This is because of the simple fact that none of us want to be ruled. We don't want someone else telling us what to do or how to live our life. I mean, which of you kids here this morning like to have your parents telling you to go clean your room? 
How many of you like being told to go do your homework? To come in from outside, it's not time for play, it's time for a bath. I reckon if kids ruled the world, it would be dessert first at dinner time and veggies later, if at all. And when it comes to bedtimes, I reckon that's to be advised. We don't like living by the rules. But if life must have rules, we want to be the ones making them. We all want to be the ruler. Whilst we don't like living by the rules, the truth is we're all ruled by something. But it might be hard for us to identify what is ruling us in our life. So to help work this out, it might be helpful to think less about a monarch and more about a mindset. What do you desire most? Desire is a powerful thing. Desire manifests itself in our attitudes and emotions and in our actions. For example, desire affects the actions of a boy who becomes interested in a girl. His, his actions change. He starts to watch romantic comedies. He starts to listen to music from Adele and Katy Perry and that girl that's always breaking up with a boyfriend and writing a song about it, the Swift one, Taylor, Tay-Tay. What we desire affects our actions. It manifests itself in them. It also manifests itself through our attitudes and our emotions. When something we desire is taken away from us, we feel empty and we can get angry. When we cannot have what we desire, it affects us. And we see desire right back at the beginning of the Bible, right back when everything went wrong with the world. We see it in Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3 verse 6 it says, When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. See, rather than desiring God's rule over their lives, Adam and Eve wanted to rule in their own right. Is a rebellious desire, and this rebellious desire manifested itself in rebellious actions, in disobedience to what God had said. Their actions showed what already ruled them. And the Bible calls this sin. When sin rules our lives, our actions become sinful. Now, that which rules our lives will fall into either of two camps. It'll be either the shepherd or the butcher. The shepherd is Jesus. The butcher is sin. And this morning, we're going to contrast 
these two. And I want you to notice the differences that they are. And reflect on your own life and ask, what is ruling me? Is your ruler the shepherd or the butcher? We can see the contrast in the way they move their flocks. The shepherd leads their flock. The butcher drives their flock. Shepherd is found out front, showing their flock where they should go. The butcher is found down the back, barking orders and cracking whips, driving their flock to where they should not go. Think again about Adam and Eve. We can say rather than their desire leading them to make a good choice for their life, their desire instead was driving them, driving them to make bad decisions for their life. They were driven by the butcher. An example of the way the butcher drives people today can be seen in the lives of those gripped with addiction. Those not being driven by the addiction can see that the choices the person is driven to make is harmful to them. It brings ruin to their bodies. It brings ruin to their minds and it brings ruin to relationships. whilst the person is making bad decisions, those decisions are because they're under the control of the butcher. They can't help but make poor choices. We don't, actually, we don't only experience the butcher's drives through addiction. We also see it manifest itself in more subtle ways in life can manifest itself in our desire for prosperity, for money and possessions. Manifest itself as someone has this drive to gain more, to earn more, to have more. And that can be in the life of someone who already has heaps and it can also be in the life of someone who has little. They're always driven for more. The seeking for more dominates that person's conversation. It also colours the way they see themselves. It colours the way they see others. They're all always comparing on a material basis. Who's up there? Where am I in relation? You also see it manifested in the area of power. People can be driven to power. They can always be after the area of responsibility. Whether that be the role of power at work or whether it be the role of power at home or in relationships, they want to be the one who is known for having authority. It can also drive us in perceptions, the way we perceive ourselves in body image and those sorts of things. The way we perceive our relationships or, or what other people think of us. The butcher is a driver. Our reading today tells us that Jesus is a different ruler. 
He's a different ruler to the butcher. Tells us that Jesus is the promise to be a ruler who shepherds God's people. We saw that that in verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. These words are pregnant with meaning. They're they're taken from Micah chapter 5 verse 2 and 2 Samuel chapter 5 verse 2 and they're sort of put together into this promise that's made in Matthew. And when these two passages are put together, the original audience for this word, they would have been thinking of their king David. And they would associate these words that we have today with the promise that a descendant of David would come and rule and save God's people. In Jeremiah chapter 22, we have the promise recorded like this. It says in verse 5, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous saviour. Friends, the name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. It's clearly pointing that Jesus is this promised ruler. And the Bible often uses the imagery of a shepherd to talk about how God's leaders should rule his people. So let's look at three tasks that the Bible expects a shepherd to perform. Shepherds are expected to lead their flock to pasture. They're also expected to provide protection for their flock. And they're expected to pursue their flock when they are lost. They are expected to pasture, protect and pursue. One of the most famous parts of the Bible that speaks of God as a shepherd is Psalm 23. And here we see how God leads to pasture. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. These verses paint a picture of true satisfaction. A flock that has everything they need. It shows, gives us a picture of a shepherd who leads his flock to green pastures to quiet waters where they can lie down and rest. This is a contrasting picture to that of the the butcher. The butchers, those who are supposed to shepherd God's people but failed in their task as God's people, are spoken about in Ezekiel chapter 34. 
Ezekiel says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the flock. It's far from the satisfaction of the flock described in Psalm 23. See, the butcher might promise to provide food, but all they really provide is famine. They might promise water to drink, but all they provide is thirst. There is no satisfaction for the one driven by the butcher. Despite the the promise of an experience that will satisfy our hunger and thirst, despite the promise of acceptance and escape from a, a tarnished reality, the rush of the drugs wear off. The reality that we try to escape returns. The hurt that we try to cover remains. The shepherd is the only one who can provide true satisfaction. Because in the, the shepherd's mind, right at the front there, is how he can benefit the flock. The butcher's thinking the other way. He's thinking of how the flock can benefit him. And this leads us to our next expectation of the shepherd, to provide protection. Verse 4 of Psalm 23 goes on. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod that's spoken about here was this wooden club that the shepherd would carry with them. The, the staff that is spoken of is this long hook type staff that they could use to control and to, to care for the sheep. As the sheep were going astray, they could pull them back, keep them close. These are the instruments that the shepherd uses to protect his flock. If a wild beast or an attacker is coming towards the flock, out comes the rod and he stands in the way to protect from harm. The butcher operates in the other way. Instead of sacrificing himself for the sake of the flock, he sacrifices the flock for the sake of himself. He uses the instruments that should be used to protect the sheep instead to harm the sheep. Ezekiel 34, verse 4. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd when they were scattered. Sorry, and when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. The butcher sacrifices the flock to save himself. He leaves the flock open to harm, often harm at the hands of the butcher. 
No doubt we can all think of instances in our lives or in the lives of our friends and family when power and abuse and authority, those who should protect, have instead abused those under their care. And whilst that is the the state of the world we live in today, it is not how God intended it. Which brings us to our third expectation of the shepherd. The shepherd is to pursue their flock. See, both the the shepherd and the butcher are, are engaged in pursuit. But their motives are different. The butcher pursues to slaughter. Herod was in a position of protection and rule. But he did not pursue to save. He pursued to slaughter. We see that in verse 16 of Matthew 22. It says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. He pursued to slaughter. But the shepherd pursues to save. Again, we go to Ezekiel. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when... When he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they have scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. God pursues us as a shepherd pursues his sheep. He seeks after us to save us. And it doesn't matter how far we have gone or how dark the places is that we find ourselves in. Jesus is pursuing you and he is pursuing me. I don't know where all of you find yourselves this morning. I don't know if you've been seeking to be scattered far from God or maybe find yourself in a dark place. Maybe in your own life you can identify that you are being driven by the butcher. We need to hear these words of Jesus from John chapter 10. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, says Jesus. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is good news, friends. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And he has proven himself to be so. As the good shepherd, Jesus has come to earth in pursuit of us, in pursuit of you and in pursuit of me. As the good shepherd, Jesus has laid down his life on the cross to protect you and to protect me. As the good shepherd, Jesus has come back to life and promises to lead us to life and to good pasture. He promises to lead us to new life, a satisfying and eternal life if we will follow him. Friends, we all begin life driven by the butcher. We are all born under the butcher's rule. We all live life bound for slaughter. And actually, the more we live under the butcher's rule, the more we ourselves start to look like the butcher. We start thinking of others as how they can be of benefit to us. We start putting others in harm's way to protect us. We start pursuing others to the point of slaughter so that we can serve our own interests. Friends, it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to be ruled by the butcher sin. We can be ruled by the good shepherd, Jesus. And that's what Alex has illustrated for us this morning. Alex has declared that Jesus, the good shepherd, is his ruler. No longer is he destined for slaughter. He is now destined through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus to be ruled by Jesus. He is destined for pasture. The question for all of us this morning now is will you put your trust in Jesus as the good shepherd? Or are you happy? in living your life under the rule of the butcher? Will you allow Jesus to rule your life? Or will you be driven by the butcher's sin to make your own decisions? This is an offer that Jesus makes for all of us, friends. He makes it today, and you have an opportunity to accept that today. We're going to have a time of communion 
something we do as Christians to remember Jesus and what he has done for us. If you're helping with that, if you could come forward now, please. If you have trusted in Jesus as your good shepherd, this is for you. But if you have not yet trusted in Jesus as your good shepherd, this is for you also if you want to make that decision now. The way that might look like is this. You'll be served a piece of bread and a little cup of juice. They're very symbolic for us. The bread represents Jesus' body, which was broken, which was torn apart, hung on the cross for us. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us. If you would like to accept Jesus for the first time as your good shepherd today, I invite you to take these two elements. When you receive them, take the bread and eat it. And as you do, have a quiet word with Jesus, just in in quiet prayer. Acknowledge him as a good shepherd. And do three things. Thank him, ask him, and commit to him. Thank him for pursuing you by coming to this earth and dying on the cross for your sin. And ask him to forgive you from all the the sinful things you have done and all that you're going to do as you continue in life. Ask him to be your protector, to stand in the way of harm so that you are safe. And commit to following him as he leads you to pasture. Pasture of new life. The pasture that truly satisfies. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed.